0: 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply.
1: Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Radio,
4: radio. what up jason martin show here on fox sports radio we're with you for the next three hours i'm happy to be here i hope you are i'm blessed beyond measure all reasonable and otherwise i hope you recognize that you are as well eric roberts brian finley chris perfett they are the trifecta they're in the dials radio style for me out in los angeles we will hear plenty from them from their version and my version here in nashville of the Fox Sports Radio Studios brought to you by Geico. That's where we're coming to you live. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit Geico.com for a free rate quote. lot to get to on the program. Zion Williamson, we talked about it last week. Now that narrative is even more obvious in one direction. The MAC, we're going to get to that in great detail and what it means and the monolithic nature of the response to it. We'll get to it. LeBron, talking about one viewer that the NBA has lost via a tweet and why I think that's a mistake but you know I was thinking about you know when you go on vacation and you haven't been able to do what you're used to but you've been fun or whatever you come back off the airplane and you haven't driven a car let's say you've taken a two-week vacation you haven't driven a car in two weeks you took one of those real vacations. Like you didn't rent a car when you got there. It was all within walking distance or you're taking Ubers or whatever. And you get behind the wheel of the car for the first time in a few weeks. And maybe you take that turn a little bit too quick at first. Or when you're backing out of the, backing out of the driveway, it doesn't feel quite normal to you. And then you realize, oh yeah, I remember this. I know how this works. The whole philosophy behind getting back on the bike never really forgetting how to write it. There are things that are just familiar. There, is, there are experiences right now we haven't had in 2020, like at least for me in my state, going to a movie in the last five months. And I'm somebody that writes about them for part of my livelihood and hadn't been available to do that. I remember the first time I went into a restaurant with my wife a couple of months ago and what that felt like. Even though there were protocols in place, there was a familiarity there. There was a, a sense of hope in that moment. So when I'm watching Damian Lillard and the Portland Trail Blazers and the Clippers and the back and forth and the missed free throws and the smack talk during and after and Patrick Beverly and everything that's going on. What I'm thinking to myself is, ah, this is right. This is what we want. This is sports. There's nothing negative about this at all. This is the same kind of smack talk that we grew up doing in our own driveways or in you know on the rec league court or the church league court or wherever it is that you used to play, the blacktop or all of the above in my case. We smack talked. And sometimes we miss key free throws and we got clowned about it. These are pros in the midst of this unique circumstance inside the NBA bubble. It's been fun to watch these games. A lot of them have been very entertaining. There have been no shortage of storylines inside the bubble. <laughs> and I I just got a kick out of this. I, I want to see this kind of thing. Is there any mean-spirited stuff behind this? Not to me. I I personally believe this is exactly what the NBA should crave. This is what they should try their best to encourage, but not manufacture. Because this ain't pro wrestling. You can't pull this off straight up phony. You can't write it in advance. But when it falls into your lap like this, you just hope that the parties involved are capable of succeeding in their roles. Patrick Beverly is your classic irritant. Patrick Beverly is Sasha Vujicic, A.J. Pierzinski. He's the guy that you love to have on your team, but you also think while he's on your team, good Lord, if he ever gets traded, I might decapitate him. Think about how the Warriors probably feel about Draymond Green 70% of the time. We'll talk about Draymond tampering with Devin Booker a little bit later on in the program as well. But there are irritants. And Patrick Beverly has made some money being an irritant and an outstanding defensive player. He's the kind of guy that you want on a superstar player because he can get under their skin. He can irritate them. The same way Bruce Bowen used to be able to do it for the Spurs. There's always that guy. The Dennis Rodman, as we just got finished watching The Last Dance or even back to certainly what he was doing in Detroit. But that whole team was a bunch of irritants in a way that we've never seen another team even come close to duplicating in any facet. So you've got Patrick Beverly, and then you've got Damian Lillard, who is a superstar in the NBA, but he's a superstar that still has a lot to prove in terms of, can he lead a team to a championship? He and CJ McCollum have been a great one-two punch for years. What has it really gotten them other than people like me saying they've been a great one-two punch for years? It has not gotten them a trophy in their hands. They are outstanding basketball players. But are they championship pieces? Damian Lillard's stats, outrageously good. His free throw shooting in the clutch, outrageously good. So he misses these two free throws. And this is what's intriguing about the smack talk. I love the smack talk, but this was a meaningful basketball game, particularly for the Portland Trailblazers who were right there in that mix to try and get the final playoff spot. With Memphis holding it right now, I think by a game and a half, at least going into the day, Portland needs everything that they can get. and They've got Phoenix right behind them. They've got Spurs right behind them. They've got the Pelicans. Yeah, I'm not going to go ahead and assume that's going to do very much for them, but just trying to get into the 8th spot, if that's where they're going, uh, that ain't going to work at present. Now, they've got the expanded postseason, but... You want to try and dodge some of those top seeds in the West. So this is, an, this is something that meant something. And Damian Lillard in the clutch, I don't know if he got shook or if this was just a moment where you're not going to make every key free throw. You are eventually going to lose the Super Bowl, even if you're Tom Brady. You are eventually going to miss the shot if you're Michael Jordan. Somebody else is going to win a championship. Tiger Woods is eventually not going to make a cut at a major. Federer, Nadal, Djokovic, Andy Murray, Pete Sampras, Andre Agassi, Ed Berg, Becker, the list goes on and on. Eventually, a Richard Krejcic is still going to win at Wimbledon. Eventually, things are going to happen that are outside the norm. If everything happened inside the norm, we would have no reason to watch. One of the greatest things about sports is its unpredictability in the face of our assumption of predictability. We watch sports and we think we know what's going to happen. Some of us, as we just heard for the last hour, very expertly and astutely done by my pal Bernie Frado and the crew was straight out of Vegas, uh, there are people that will put their money where their mouth is because they think they know exactly what's going to happen. And sometimes Vegas does. Often Vegas does. But it's the unpredictability. It's the Philadelphia Eagles with Nick Foles and the Philly Special. It's that. It's Boise State beating Oklahoma in that bowl game. It is what happens if Gordon Hayward's shot doesn't rim out against Duke for Butler in the NCAA championship. It's the unpredictability. It's Y.E. Yang beating Tiger Woods in that fateful PGA, ter- PGA championship a few months before the worst moment of Tiger Woods' life on Thanksgiving night. That's why we watch, because we want to be surprised. I think we want our predictions to be upended unless we have tens of thousands of dollars on the outcomes. So Lillard is he going to make those three th- make those free throws? You assume yes, but he doesn't, and there's a storyline surrounding it, and there's all sorts of great sound. I think, uh, I think Eric has put together a little bit of this. Let's hear just some of the back and forth between this. This is why we love sports.
5: Asking me about Patrick Beverly, who I sent him home before at the end of a game. Paul George has got sent home by me last year in the playoffs. So they know that the reason they're reacting like that is because of what they expect from me, which is a sign of respect, and it just shows what I've done at a high clip more times than not. So I'm not offended by it. If anything, it should just tell you how how much it hurt them to go through what I put them through in those situations previously.
4: Look, what he's saying is absolutely right, and you know what the comeback is? Yeah, but did you make those two free throws today? The answer is no. What have you done for me lately? He's not wrong, and that's what makes this great. Both sides have an argument that can actually be made plausibly. I can make both of them for you. Damian Lillard has knocked Paul George out of the postseason. Believe me, I know, as a suffering Thunder fan, what that was like. And he's knocked out Patrick Beverly. But on this day, they got the better of him. So they can just come back and say, yeah, so what? We can't replay those games. Yeah, you beat us. Fantastic. Uh, We beat you today. and." Largely because you blew two clutch free throws in a way that Nick Anderson might have bluffed about. It's awesome when you've got two sides. And look, I don't have a dog in this fight. I have picked, I picked before the season, the Clippers to win it all. But during this portion of time where it's just for seeding and... Once we get to the playoffs, we can start having a different discussion. But right now, I'm just watching the sports that are on and enjoying the sports that are on like I think a lot of other people are, whether it's the PGA Championship or NHL qualifying or the NBA restart or whatever it is. We're watching what's on. But you need a little bit of storyline. You need something to be able to bite off. And this is great because maybe we can get Portland and the Clippers in a playoff series here in a week or a a couple of weeks or a handful of weeks when everything gets going, if the seating breaks in a certain way. And if we do, then we've got a great storyline that we can follow throughout, which is because Patrick Beverly's not going to let this forget. He's not going to let us forget this. This is what Patrick Beverly does. This is why he's paid in the league is to lead Damian Lillard to end up having to talk about him after blowing two free throws in the tail end of a crucial game. That's why he's in the game. That's why he's in the league as Patrick Beverly because he's a great defender, but he's also one that is going to do stuff behind the ref's back and he's going to talk a lot of smack the entire time. He is an on court gaslighter. We talked about gaslighting last week on this show, and we could talk about it pretty much every week. In the news, in sports, in anything, you can find gaslighting on all sides of the aisle. Patrick Beverly is a walking, on-court, NBA savant gaslighter. He got Damian Lillard to talk about him in the postgame, and Damian Lillard had to tell us, yeah, they've got ultimate respect for me because I've knocked them out of the postseason. My man is in Damian Lillard's headspace. And if you're a Clipper fan or somebody on that team or on that coaching staff, or in that front office, you're just like, dude's making all of his money right now. Like, he didn't even have to be on the floor. All he has to do is be Patrick Beverly. And luckily for Patrick Beverly, no one can be better at being Patrick Beverly than Patrick Beverly can. But back to the overarching point here. More of this, please. More of this, I still feel like this is good-natured, competitive, yes, it's, they're probably irritated back and forth, but this ain't going to lead to blows or anything. This is just dudes playing at the highest level with pride that's wounded and big-time egos that are more fragile than you would ever know, and they're just going at it. And you want to talk about backing up that car after not driving for a month, Maybe you were injured, you couldn't drive. Then you get back in the car for the first time. And about that second or third road, it all just feels so smooth again. And you're just like, oh man, I have missed this. And as we've been talking about social justice and COVID-19 and all these other things in this last handful of months, just to see two teams and some players jawing back and forth at each other, in the way that we're accustomed to watching, I don't know about you, but that might be my favorite moment so far of any of these restarts. It's just the feeling of normalcy that goes with fragility of ego going at it between millionaires in the NBA. That, ladies and gentlemen, is why I leave my home and come here and do this show on Sunday mornings at 3 a.m. Eastern time. Because of stuff like that. Because of great performances, yes. But because of some petty nonsense like this. Thank the Lord for sports. Now, we're going to come back and we're going to talk about the Mac. And we're going to bring in the crew. And we can ask them about some of these things that are going on as well. But seriously, think about it from that perspective. Is there anything more sports that you've missed than stories like this? This is the escape. This... Is the Pixar film? This ain't the heavy-handed documentary. This is going to see The Incredibles. This is going to see Up, or Finding Nemo, or Inside Out, or this is going to see The Dark Knight. This is going to see. This is comfort food. This, ladies and gentlemen, is sports. And this is the Jason Martin Show. We'll be right back here on Fox Sports Radio.
1: Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long.
0: 6 p.m. Book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply.
5: What's up? I'm John Wall. And
0: I'm CJ
6: Toledana, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game.
4: The Clippers outshined Damian there Lillard. Radio professional, this guy right here. Nah, I'm just kidding. Welcome back, Jason Martin Show here on Fox Sports Radio. I am Jay Martin. I'm on Twitter at J Radio. You can find me there. Did you know? Right now, Geico is—they're doing something special. More than they usually are. They're offering an extra 15% credit on car, motorcycle, and RV policies. That's 15% on top of what they could already save you and are already saving you. So go to geico.com to learn all that you can about this. You can save an extra 15%. It goes through October the 7th on your car, motorcycle, and RV policies. Go save some money. geico.com is where you can get all the info. So first segment just kind of laid out just how good it was to see the little back-and-forth tiff between a couple of the Clippers players, especially Patrick Beverly, and Damian Lillard, who choked on the free-throw line. And it just kind of felt like, miss it, miss it, miss it. Like what you used to do to your friends when you were eight years old. And it was fantastic. And during the break, I was thinking even more about the irritant idea that Patrick Beverly brings. And how valuable that is. And I don't think it's just valuable to his team. It's valuable to me as a consumer of sports. As somebody that wants to watch this, I want to be entertained. If there's anything that I am noticing about this NBA restart, I was so gung ho about this year before it started because you had a lot of talent being spread out amidst a lot of different teams. You had multiple superstars on 10, 11 teams in the league. Felt like you had a chance at parity, even if you did believe in LeBron and Anthony Davis or Kawhi and Paul George or whatever. There were, there are were a lot of places. You've got, well, I mean, right now, we saw the Bucks-Mavs, and you've got stars with Milwaukee, but you've got Chris Staps and you've got Luka Doncic, who is just unbelievable, in Dallas. There's just a lot of talent surrounding the league, but if there's one issue... It is these are superstar players that all just kind of run together because I don't know how many of them you actually trust to win a championship and that's where I was with Damian Lillard in that first segment. He's a guy who we know is awesome. We know he's a great player. But is he ever actually going to win a title, or is he just another great player in a league full of great players, and an era full of great players? There's no separation here. All these guys, everybody, or the vast majority of teams in the league have somebody worth watching, somebody that you feel like is on the cusp of being transcendent. Yet, it's still just a really small handful of guys that you actually believe can get the job done. So, maybe it's an illusion of parity. Even though there's a lot of talent around, this, this might be the one year where it could switch because of the bubble and the lack of fans, the lack of home crowds. Maybe you could have something change. Maybe you could have a weird champion this year, but generally... I still feel like the vast majority of the people watching pro basketball still believe, oh, well, it's going to be LeBron's team and then somebody else. And then there are teams in the West that could probably be doing unbelievably well if they were in the East, but they're not. Like, I'm watching Dallas, and I really like Dallas' team. But Dallas is in the West, so they're still right there in that 7-8 hole in the East. Who knows how much better they would be if they were playing that schedule? And they're only going to get better, and they're a young basketball team. But you wonder sometimes. But it just felt so sports-like. But the thing that the NBA is missing, more than anything else, is differential players that have personalities and attitudes. The Pistons and the Bulls in the 80s, all I have to do is mention the two teams, and you can start to conjure images up of Isaiah not shaking hands, And sort of the gruff nature of the Bulls teams when they were getting beaten and then when the tables were switched. If I say Lakers, Celtics, yeah, there was respect with Larry and Magic, but there was also a whole lot of fighting and there was a whole lot of vitriol between those fan bases. The Knicks heat. Remember Jeff Van Gundy hanging on to legs, being dragged around. Pat Riley's hard-nosed Miami teams. There was a lot of... There was a lot of meat on that bone, more than just the basketball, which was being played more physically at that time than we're seeing today as well. But don't you get the sense? All these guys just get along. They're just out there playing basketball, which is fine. I mean, I don't need them to hate each other, but I kind of at times would like to see a little bit more pro wrestling in it where at least I could believe there's a baby face in the heel. At least I could believe these two guys really don't care for each other. And outside of just a few guys, you just kind of have a lot of milk toast vanilla, do I want to say this? Yeah, I'll say it. Mike Greenberg's out there playing basketball. Like, they're good, but what, what makes them special? What makes them appointment viewing? So I see articles about how Giannis Antetokounmpo and Luka Doncic is going to be the future rivalry in the NBA. I'm like, well, it's certainly not the present rivalry because no one cares yet. Even though I think both those guys could get it done, you need more edge. There's not edge. And it has to come naturally. You can't manufacture it, but we don't have any of that. So that's why I'm saying Patrick Beverly is valuable. He's a valuable commodity to the NBA because he causes stuff to go down. He causes stuff to happen. I also think Chris Paul is valuable for a similar reason because, yeah, that dude's dirty. He enjoys going for the man region of his opponents, of teams he's playing against. That dates back to Wake Forest. It might even date back to high school in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, where I also grew up. You need some of these dudes, and we don't have a lot of them. The Pistons were riddled with them. What was great about Charles Barkley was he was awesome, but he was also kind of a jerk on the floor. James Harden has a little bit of that in him. He he seemed to be more of a jerk when he was in Oklahoma City. He was causing trouble there. You just need more players like that. You don't want to think that all these guys are going out to dinner after all of these games together, going out for drinks, hanging out. You kind of want them to have some kind of a competitive... One team beats the other one and you don't speak to them for a couple of weeks kind of feel. And I still don't get that. It just seems like a league where a lot of dudes are just out there doing the same thing, earning money, playing a sport. I'm hoping that the playoffs are going to bring a little bit more of that edge. But that's another one of the reasons why I enjoyed this Patrick Beverly, Damian Lillard back and forth is because there was something here. And there was something here that can lead to... Narratives and stories that can be told later. We can go back to this if indeed they meet in the postseason, or if they don't, then we'll see it next year when they play against one another. You've got to build more stars than one in the name of LeBron James because he's not going to play forever. He's getting towards the backside of his 30s, and his body has a ton of mileage on it on an NBA floor. I fear that you better be careful about assuming Zion Williamson is going to be the next guy because he's got this Greg Odenish tendency going on right now where people are worried that he's going to put on 20 pounds if he goes home for three days. He looks out of shape. He isn't being used in crucial game moments. There's something up here, and the Pelicans may be saving him for next year. If so, they should send him home. We'll talk more about that a little later on. But you need some of this. I I mean, I can't stand Draymond Green, but I do recognize that Draymond Green is necessary in the NBA game. We need more of those guys. I don't know why I didn't mention him faster, but we need more of those guys, not less. We need guys that actually irk you. That's one of the things about radio. You're told when you start in radio, for you to be good and succeed at this job, you need half your audience to despise you at any given time. That means the other half probably likes you, but that half that despises you will never miss anything you say because they want to confirm what they already believe to be true about you. And they're probably going to pull it apart and despise you more and more with every word that comes out of your mouth, but that's what you ultimately want. And I think that's what we want in sports. Healthy rivalries where we feel like, man, these two dudes, I mean, there's a game going on, but these two dudes right here they want to throw down. And I didn't necessarily say sense that from Patrick Beverly and Damian Lillard, but if anybody wanted to throw down with Patrick Beverly, wouldn't you kind of just go, yeah, I understand. I get that. I could understand how Patrick Beverly could get under your skin to that point. So, again, this was relentlessly positive information for me to garner this weekend in sports is that this kind of competitiveness and this kind of fragility of ego at the highest level still exists because this is the content we want this is who we need on that wall colonel jessup style chris what you got for me
8: i was gonna say like you didn't even need to go back far to like the pistons and the bulls of the 90s like just a few, just even a few years ago, you mentioned Draymond Green, and I think I, I told you in the break. I always remember Lance Stevenson, you know, blowing. Oh in yeah, the ears. yeah, yeah. Like what? What defined the 2010s for basketball? It was the fact that the Indiana Pacers were those pests in the yes. East, and they were constantly in in the face of LeBron James, whether he was in Miami or you know, they, it was kind of the t- the twilight of the Pacers by the time he went back to the Cavs, but they were there, and they and they made a mess of things, and we talked about it all the times, like. Sports likes their villains; they absolutely do. You're absolutely right about that. You don't want them fake, but it brings drama to the regular season. And whether we like it or not, we're still in the regular season right now in the bubble. This isn't the playoffs yet, and those but mm-hmm. those conflicts then carry over into the postseason because then it's like, oh man, what if this team meets this team and they've had this bad blood that they've had between them, and then it just it just rides from there. I one of my favorite players of all time. I'm a Pistons fan. And it's Rasheed Wallace. And (laughs) Rasheed Wallace was always, I I talked with Joe Dumars one time, who was the old Detroit bad boy, but he was the GM of those teams in the 2000s. And he always talked about Rasheed Wallace as his, like, it was the X factor. He was the wild card. He was the guy that was going to get in the heads of other guys because he just didn't know what he was going to do on a given night. Man, you, you need guys like that because it does ride with these guys the entire the entire season that there is something out there just waiting to make them a little bit of trouble and just shake up their day.
4: Yeah, I mean, Charles Barkley has always said it best. You need a superstar, you need a second banana, and you need a crazy guy yeah. to win a championship. And I think the league needs the same thing. The, the second banana, yeah, it's good to have multiple superstars, but you need some crazy guys. You need some personality. You need some Dennis Rodman. You need some Patrick Beverly. You need some Draymond Green. You need some Charles Barkley. You need some Rick Mahorn. You need some of this stuff. You need Reggie Miller and the choke gesture over to Spike Lee back in the day. That, that's what becomes compelling. That's when you become more than the LeBron Basketball Association. Yeah, it, That's when you can elevate some people.
8: The NBA has always been a very personal league in that regard versus like something like football, which is very... Gladiatorial on a big yeah. stage, it's it's very much so the action in the moment. Whereas the NBA has always been about the storylines, the characters, and what they're doing. And it's and you you do need that. You, you need that kind of interpersonal play. And like like you as you said, you can't just like art, make it out of artificial out of thin air. But the 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 league still has roles for guys to be the that that crazy person. I
4: mean, Absolutely great does. basketball and fluid basketball is one thing, but if all these dudes are just out there smiling and it's just. Bucket, 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 back and forth, and nobody's getting clotheslined every once in a while and stuff. like That's going to wear out its welcome at some point. The guy that's our irritant, the guy that clotheslines us, is Brian Finley. He's the guy <laughs> that brings the descriptors, and he's a Clipper fan who I... probably really enjoyed watching Dame go 0-for-2 on those free throws.
9: Oh, it was a beautiful thing. And, and, yeah, you know, it was. I, I was wondering about this because Jason and, and Chris brought this up as well. I'm wondering because there was such a coordinated collaborative effort just to pull off the Orlando bubble. Everybody had to make sacrifices and and compromise here that that unifying presence maybe took away from any sense of Mm. rivalry or bad blood because we're just trying to stage this thing and get it done and yeah, we're preoccupied with what's going on outside of the bubble, but let's just try to pull this thing off and maybe that's taking away from some of those in-game storylines that like you were talking about, Chris, and and Jason that we're missing or don't have a lot of right now. We need
4: we need some vitriol, guys. <laughs> yeah. We need I, some good old-fashioned hatred. I, I can buy that to a degree,
8: but I also think there was just it was just missing before the restart even happened. It was it wasn't there before we before we took the break. It just like and, and I I I'm guilty of this is that I fell into that category where I just had some ennui going in my face where I'm like I feel like there's only three or four teams in competition right. at the end of the day, right? And I, I hate to be maximalist about this because the NBA fans out there will always t- say, "Oh no!" But pay attention to Portland, pay attention to Denver.
3: Denver, and I just yep.
8: always, I just dismiss those guys out of heart because why? Because I I look at past seasons and I'm and I, you know, people told me that as a Pistons fan back when I think it was you know, when they were going up against the Cavs as like an A T. It's like, oh, the Pistons can like, you know, give them some thought and the Pistons got demolished. They got swept. Right. Like like I, I can only take the BS for so long in that regard. But yeah, no, we, we definitely didn't have a lot of drama before the uh Season, Uh, You guys can correct me if I'm wrong. I don't remember any kind of drama before the season went on break besides the Clippers-Lakers rivalry, which Lakers fans continue to insist isn't a real thing, but it's absolutely a real thing. It's It's Michigan fans trying to deny that they have a rivalry with Michigan State, even though they're just getting beat by them in football.
4: Brian, the big the yeah. big uh, the big deal is the league's problem is they have to make people care about the Milwaukee Bucks. They have <laughs> to make people care about the Toronto Raptors. They've got to make people care about the Memphis Grizzlies. And I'm naming teams that have superstar level players that could be marketed, mm-hmm. but it's just it's just a bat I think it's just a bunch of basketball teams and people are just like watching the sport, but nobody is leaping off the page to them. And I mean the vast majority, not the hoop heads, not the people like us that are paying attention, but just a lot of people are watching this, and they're just trying to find something to sink their teeth into. And I think it's the lack of irritants that's the problem.
9: I remember living in Memphis, Jason, not too far away from you in Nashville, and covering the Memphis Grizzlies when they had that grit-and-grind hero, yeah. Zach Tony Randolph, Allen, Tony and, Allen, and, yeah. and those guys. And the even Matt Barnes was on that team yeah. at one point and, and the Birdman. And I'll tell you what, I don't want to mess with any of those guys. That's for sure. The Grizz were yes. real scary like that. <laughs> yeah. There's just Some guys on there It's just like, you don't want to meet them in a dark alley. No, eye. no. Uh, guys, Luka Doncic goes on an yeah, offensive frenzy. How about these numbers, Jason? 36 points, 14 rebounds, a career-high 19 assists. I believe that's a triple-double. I believe it is. It is his 17th triple-double of the season as the Mavericks slop up on the Bucs, 136-132 in overtime. TJ Warren, Jason, back at yeah. it again, 39 yeah. points as the Pacers microwave the Lakers, 116-111. Devin Booker, 35 points to lead the Suns past the Heat, 119-112. And this was the good one. This was part of your monologue Jason the Clippers arresting Kawhi Leonard they kept Paul George out the last five minutes or so but LA side swipes the Trailblazers Mm. 122-117 Pat Beverly making fun of Damian Lillard from the bench after Lillard bricked two decisive free throws in the closing moments Lillard afterwards tiffing with Beverly and Paul George on social media and Dame even criticizing George quote keep switching teams running from the grind you boys is chumps end quote (laughs) so take that will you (laughs) portland by the way remains a game and a half away from that final playoff spot in the west held by the memphis grizzlies both of those teams have three more seeding games left and they would face off in an nba play-in play-in tournament if the ninth seed is less than four games of the eighth spot so They could be meeting again. And finally, Jason, Dustin Johnson, one shot in front in a cluttered leaderboard at the PGA Championship heading into the final round on Sunday. Johnson, 9-under overall, put up a 65 on Saturday, brimming with eight birdies. But watch out, Kepka. Brooks Kepka is two shots behind. And by the way, Jason, he has won the last ter- two of this event and has been talking a lot of smack about how confident he is in winning it again. So we'll see if that happens. Back to you. Look,
4: that's what he does. <laughs> and he and DJ are very close friends. We've heard that story about 17 trillion times over the last two PGA seasons. <laughs> yeah. If I was putting money on somebody tomorrow, I would put it on Kepka. I I just would uh, DJ. I've seen him falter in moments like this, and this is a nice leaderboard. I've enjoyed this tournament. If I, I feel like Kepka could easily three-peat. Uh, I think he just he walks around with a chip on his shoulder, which is obnoxious, but I think it's also what has driven him to be as successful as he has. Welcome back, Fox Sports Radio Studios, brought to you by Geico. It is easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-Auto. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. Again, more bickering. Whether it's good-natured or whether or not there's a little bit of Damian Lillard really despises Patrick Beverly. Because, again, you probably would, too, if you played against him. But this is what the NBA needs, is more of this. Especially during the restart, before we even get to the playoffs. Give us something we can talk about. I don't mean just on a radio program. I just mean in general. Give me something that's going to put a smile on my face. I can laugh. I can jeer back and forth, both of them making funny arguments. This right here is the kind of competitiveness sports thrives upon, and the NBA desperately needs to lean into this. We'll be right back. It's the Jason Martin Show here on Fox Sports Radio.
1: Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long.
4: Putting the finishing touches on hour number one to the Jason Martin Show here on Fox Sports Radio. My name is Jason Martin. You see how that works. I'm on Twitter at jmartradio. The telephone number, if you wanted to join us, haven't thrown this out yet, is 877-99 on Fox. That's 996-6369. One topic during hour one, and that is the normalcy created by a little bickering back and forth between some NBA players and how much fun it is to see that and how we need a little bit more Patrick Beverly in the NBA. That's what the NBA is missing is bite. If you don't have bite in media right now, you are probably treading water or worse. The NBA, the critiques that it's a LeBron-only league are buttressed by the lack of anything but just on court greatness that you're seeing elsewhere. There is a that I thought existed but maybe is an illusion. And maybe we're going to see something different once the playoffs begin. But we've all heard we've got to pay attention to Utah this year. I mean, you got to watch them Nuggets, man. Jokic is no joke. Or Portland, certainly, with CJ McCollum and Damian Lillard. Like, you hear about all these other teams, but then when it comes down to it, most people just think, well, it's going to be the Lakers or the Clippers and the Bucks or the Raptors. That's probably the general consensus maybe there were a few other teams included there but if you're outside of Denver how many people are gonna pick the Nuggets there will be a few but a few is not enough so you need storylines you need reasons to pay attention to all of these teams that you just assume are gonna get creamed when it actually counts in May in a regular year now we're talking about obviously September October but we just don't have it we have a lot of nice guys and we have a lot of smooth basketball and a lot of threes being shot and a lot of young talent like a Giannis or a Luka Doncic or someone in that classification or that category but you don't have any bite or you don't have a lot of bite I can't stand Draymond Green but I feel like the league's better and I'm better because I'm going to have a topic about Draymond Green coming up in a little little while. But the Patrick Beverleys of the world don't grow on trees in terms of just having that extra... He's not going to go out there and give you 40, but he might get under the skin of somebody and lead to something. And it's the compelling nature of what he can add and provide that, yeah, it can swing a game... But it can certainly swing our attention spans in the right direction for Adam Silver and the NBA. There are many reasons to kind of treat it like you're going comatose watching the NBA. It is a Patrick Beverly that avoids that. That is a bulwark against that. Damian Lillard's response. Damien Damian Lillard played his role beautifully. I could not have scripted it out better. He misses the free throws. Patrick Beverly is taunting him on the sidelines. And then after the game, Damian Lillard rolls out there and he says, yeah, you know, Paul George, he knows me real well, has a lot of respect for me because I've knocked him out of the playoffs and Patrick Beverly's coming after me and he's trying to make light of this whole deal because he has a tremendous amount of respect for me because I've sent him packing a few times as well. Totally accurate. Also, whoa, cool story, bro. You missed two free throws today. Your team needed that to win the game. Like, both of these things are true. And because they're both true, we, as sports fans, are the benefactors. This is the kind of thing we need more of. We need Kepka out there with a chip on his shoulder, talking a little smack towards DJ. We need a little bit of that. We need it in all of our sports. Healthy rivalries, but real rivalries. Thriving rivalries. Ones that feel like blood's actually pumping through these arteries and through these veins. And that's what we got in this regular season NBA restart game. And that was awesome. When we come back, what is the Mac doing? Welcome back. Or welcome in. If you're joining us for the first time now. Hour number two of the Jason Martin Show here on Fox Sports Radio on the air across the country. Glad to have you with us wherever you are. I'm Jason Martin. I'm in Nashville, Tennessee. The crew is in Los Angeles, California. Sherman Oaks to be exact. You can find me on Twitter at jmartradio. You can call us at eight seven seven ninety nine on Fox. Talked a whole lot of NBA in that first hour. We're not done. Talk a little LeBron. We'll talk some Zion Williamson. And some Draymond Green, Devin Booker tampering coming up. But I do want to shift gears and talk college football to open this second hour because of the decision of the MAC to punt on football in the fall with hopes that they can play in the spring. Even after the Power Five conferences all came out and said, hey, we're playing conference only. And that harms a group of five conference like the MAC because they lose some of their out-of-conference games against bigger name opponents. And you would think that the MAC will be the first of the group of five, but not the last to make this decision. Power five is your ACC, your SEC, your Big Ten, your Big 12, your Pac 12. The Big Ten, which is right there in the same region of the country as the MAC, is playing football as of right now. I'm looking at the MAC's decision. And I'm wondering where their evidence is and what they're basing this on. Now, I saw, look, the Mac cares very much about their student-athletes. They care about health. It's first and foremost, and, and it should be. But the numbers don't back up this decision if the Power Five are going to play. If everybody is, say, if, if outside of UConn, if everybody's going to play football or outside of some of the Ivy League and some of that stuff, where is the evidence that you're relying on that says you shouldn't be able to do this? If you look at some of what they're saying, It's like they want a vaccine, which I still am skeptical we'll ever have. Never have had one for any coronavirus in the past. Especially not a SARS-style coronavirus. And the other thing that I think is kind of mind-boggling is this idea, and Brett McMurphy tweeted this out. He said the biggest thing is the unknown long-term impact of COVID. This is a really just atrocious argument. Because what are you going to know in the spring about long-term impact of COVID? Do you think that it's going to be finalized and all the conclusions are going to be known then? Look, I've had whatever I've had in my life, had my gallbladder removed near the turn of the century. Maybe that actually took six months uh, off my life that I'm not going to know about. Or maybe that's going to lead to some complication I'm going to have when I turn 57 years old. I have no idea. We don't know the long-term impact to 100% certainty on any illness or anything that befalls us. We have no idea. We have more education, and this is a newer disease, so there's more unknown, yes. Liability issues, I understand. Unknown long-term impact is something that just, if you get it, and then you get past it, and you don't have a lot of the symptoms, unlike what the media is out here showing you, which is all of these isolated cases of things that have gone wrong, that are not indicative at all of what is happening to the vast, 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 vast majority of people that are getting the virus, you're getting the wrong information. We're never going to know exactly what the long-term impact is. And then when we, if we see that creep up to some degree, I mean, I don't even know how you're going to be able to assign it to COVID anyway. But it's the response to the MAC from the college football media that has been utterly predictable. Brett McMurphy tweets out, Power 5 source, quote, college football season is done. I don't think everyone immediately follows Mac, but it gives other league presidents one more reason to make an easier decision. Dennis Dodd, two Power 5 ADs, inevitable 2020 college football season will not be played this fall. Pat Forty, Prominent industry source. I think by the end of the week, the fall sports will be postponed in all conferences. Chris Soleri, sources Big Ten commissioner prefers spring college football season. Everybody's saying the same thing. All the pieces that you read are saying the same thing. Ryan McGee at ESPN, title of his piece After Night of College Football Normalcy, that's when the SEC announced its conference only schedule, and we were seeing that across. Mac decision brings us back to reality. What reality is that? The one where everything's going to shut down until this fictional utopia where this thing is completely eradicated is out there? The Mac can make whatever decision that they want to make. Here's what McGee writes because this has destroyed his hope in what's going to happen. He says, the Big Ten's next-door neighbor, meaning the MAC, it had been the last of the 10 FBS conferences to hold out on announcing its revised pandemic plans. Then the MAC turned being last into being first, the first FBS conference to say as a group what Independent UConn said Wednesday. The logistics of working around COVID-19-related restrictions are too complicated to maintain on a daily basis, too decimating to daily practice headcounts, and the financial costs of NCAA-mandated testing procedures are too high. They would wait until spring to see if it was any easier then. That last sentence should indicate to you that they're still trying to figure out if they're even going to do it in the spring. There's talk ESPN's all about trying to broadcast the Mac in the spring, because of course they are. What else are they going to run? It's perfect for them. If we get college football in the spring, that's great, because that means we have something to watch in the spring, and that's going to be bad for a lot of other people, but it's going to be good for college football and those that want to make money off it. But if college football isn't played this fall, it is a catastrophe for universities and athletic budgets. MAC has already canceled and shut down some of the sports at some of the schools. I think Northern Illinois was the main school that objected and didn't want to play. I think that a lot of this, especially if you see the player concerns, a lot of this is fueled by they're just being told over and over again that we're living in a minefield, and there's no possible way, if they do anything that they're going to be able to avoid stepping on an IED. But the evidence just doesn't back that up. Yeah, we've seen what's happened in baseball. And we have to assume that if college football is played, some people are going to get COVID-19. Of course they are. There's only one country that's almost ready to declare victory on the virus. It's Sweden. You know what Sweden didn't do? Widespread lockdowns. And they never sent their kids home from school. Their healthy tranches got this thing, passed it around, and they have such a high probability now of antibodies and a high percentage of antibodies that it's not taking them down. All you do when you send people home is delay what's going to happen when they come back out. They don't work. Lockdowns don't work. So, the MAC is looking at this, and they're saying, well, these protocols are just too much, and it's it's just not fair, the students being on campus and, and all, this, all this stuff. I just fail to see the logic here, other than the liability side. There's the flip side of the argument, which is the Feinbaum argument, the Pat Forty argument, all these people that are like, you must tell us why you would play college football, and you can't say it's about the money. The hell I can't. Of course, that's why we're playing. If I'm a conference commissioner or somebody that's playing football or somebody that that is pro-college football, not anti-college football, I'm saying, well, of course it's about the money. Yeah, there's other considerations, but largely it's about the money. It's important, and it should be factored in on all sides. No, it can't be more important than health. But if you even look at the CDC, the CDC actually put out for the first time, three, four days ago, maybe the categories of death in terms of age groups. I don't even have to tell you because you should know by now who it is that this virus is attacking and who it is not attacking. Yes, there are going to be some horror stories out there. Some people that are younger are going to get this and bad things are going to happen just like with anything else. That may sound callous and heartless, but it's simply being realistic. The idea that in the spring, the MAC is going to feel better about this potentially then, because maybe there's a vaccine. If there's a vaccine, it's probably not going to be available until the end of 2021, if then. The argument will go from We need a vaccine to, well, that vaccine needs to be tested a lot more before we can use it. Trust me. That's what we're going to get. It's never going to be perfect. You're never going to be able to fully eradicate it. It's going to be with us. You have to make smart decisions, but the just constant barrage... From all of the media types, every tweet that I just read, I mean, Awful Announcing put them all together in one article, and so I just read them to you, they're, they're high name, big name, college football reporters, all saying the same thing. All the sources I'm talking to are saying, and, and these are sources in the Power 5, we're not going to have college football. And you just feel like they're, they've got pom-poms in their hands rooting for it, and I still don't understand that. You can care about health and also look at things logically. Nobody out here wants anybody to die and they really don't want anybody to get sick either. But we understand that both of those things are going to happen. We want to certainly limit the former. And then the latter, we just hope those that do get sick are ones that can fight it off and aren't going to pass it on to the high-risk population. But the idea that the MAC is the first domino to fall, which is what you actually hear in this McGee article at ESPN.com. He says, as I listened to Matt Commissioner address the national media with a lexicon of crushed and heartbroken, my phone buzzed with a text from a Power 5 athletic director, quote, if you think this feels like the first domino in the line, that's because it is, unquote. And then he writes, it's an unfair balance beam we've been asked to walk, isn't it? We're told to stay positive because that's how we'll emerge from the pandemic in the best possible state of mind. I'm going to stop right there. We're told to stay positive by who? Which of your colleagues is telling us to stay positive? Which of your colleagues is giving us real data from the CDC that, and, and even the idea that it's plateaued and beginning to drop in the states that we've been told we're just going to kill everybody in the country, Florida, Texas, and Arizona, in particular, we're not getting any of that from any of you. But the second the MAC makes this decision, it's well, this is this is laudable by them. It's a tough call for them to make, but we understand. And we have unnamed sources in all of them have unnamed sources that are athletic directors in Power Five conferences that are saying we're not going to play. I'm not saying that those aren't true. I'm just saying every single reporter is saying the same thing, just like they've been saying for the last two months, you have to make the case and prove to us why we should play college football. So, When Ryan McGee writes, we're told to stay positive because that's how we'll emerge from the pandemic in the best possible state of mind. Well, look at your state of mind, Ryan McGee and Pat Forty and Dennis Dodd and all of these folks. Nothing against them personally, by the way. Not judging them personally at all. But maybe the reason you're so negative is because every single person you work with is negative. Everybody that you are... Attaboying on social media is negative. No one is reporting the other side. No one is talking about the other side. Nobody is standing up for the fact that college football should be played. And the and I guess the virtue signal argument against it is just and you can't say it's about the money. Yeah, you can. The reason you guys make a living writing and or doing podcasts and or doing television hits about college football is because people are either gambling on it, advertisers are making money on it, or people are buying merchandise and going to school stores and selling out venues to watch it. Sports are a business. To try and throw the idea that money is involved under the rug is the height of idiocy. It's ignorant. But it's all the same. The Mac goes down and now it's oh, power five, unnamed athletic directors. Football's dead. College football's dead. We're going to be playing in the spring, at best. Not that I need to know who these people are. Pat Forty calls them prominent industry sources. Dennis Dodd, two power five ADs. Brett McMurphy, power five source. And then Chris Solari's the only one who says Big Ten Commissioner. And he says prefer spring college football season. All of this is being said. Does this mean that these folks are not going to or are going to turn out to be wrong? No, it doesn't. They might all be right. These all could be legitimate reports. It just keeps coming across like they want these reports to be true. And if I was them and I was reporting this, I would desperately want it not to be true for two reasons. One, I love college football and my job. And two, it means the country's not falling completely freaking apart. And that seems to be the narrative we continually hear. And that's why we're not getting the facts and the figures and the charts and the data and the obvious turn for the better that we're starting to see. The arguments are becoming weaker and weaker as to why this shouldn't happen, but the media is trying to act like there's a giant Mount Everest climb to try to get to college football, and now that the MAC has happened, they're just going to pounce all over that, and it's going to be just one refrain echoing throughout all of it, and I'm calling BS on it because it is BS. We'll be right back. It's the Jason Martin Show here on Fox Sports Radio.
3: When you're an
0: American Express Platinum Card member,
5: Check
6: out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your
5: podcasts. That's my game.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Welcome back, Jason Martin Show here on Fox Sports Radio. I'm Jason Martin in Nashville, Tennessee. On Twitter at Jmart Radio. We are in the Fox Sports Radio studios. Brought to you by Geico. The crew is Eric Roberts, Chris Perfett, and Brian Finley. I think I've heard this. I think you've put this one on before, and I couldn't remember it. The last time, what is this? This is Mother Bone, Shangri-La. Mother Love Bone?
8: Uh, no, just mo- yeah, Mother, Mother Love Bone. Bone. My, my yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah. I
4: was about to say, I was like, I've never heard of Mother Bone, so.
8: Shortening the names
4: in my head. Yeah, it's all good. So we talked, or I talked, about the Max decision not to play college football this fall. And really, it's not... Look, they can make whatever decision they want. I think they're wrong in this case, but uh, you know, you can make whatever decision you need to, and if you need to base that on liability, then that is certainly a consideration. It's the media's response. Like None of them seemingly could wait five seconds to throw a tweet with unnamed, high-up officials inside of a Power Five conference that were all saying, oh, well, this is the first domino. We're not going to have college football. Like They had these tweets scheduled. They were falling all over each other to be first in line to say there won't be college football. And I still don't get it. I don't see any... I don't see these guys being excited about conference-only schedules or some of the conferences saying they're going to try and play. I don't see any excitement and optimism or anything surrounding this. It's all just the same negativity. It's the same melancholy. And it's the same, we're going to jump on this Mac thing and we're going to try and will into existence, no football season in the fall. That's what it comes across like. They may not actually be doing that, but that's how it comes across. Now, I want to bring in everybody out in Los Angeles uh, I don't expect everyone or maybe anyone to agree with me on this but what is your take? I'll just ask I'll ask it vaguely. What is your take on the Mac's decision? And Chris, I could start with you because I know, you know, you know that area of the country very well.
8: I do. I've actually met the uh Mac commissioner I know, and his name's mm. escaping off the top of my head. I've I covered Mac Media Days a while back. I'll tell you one thing. I know. Let me let me make sure I get his name right because I don't want to get his name completely wrong. So I uh, saw John, it and Stein didn't Brecher, use it. Steinbrecher. Stein I would have said yes. Steinbrenner or something. So yeah. I just, I, yeah. Uh, my my brain man with names. So let, let me tell you what I know about the guy. Like he is very much so like, I know you are talking about college sports are a business. I would say Steinbrecher would disagree because most of the kids coming through in the MAC are not moving on to the NFL. They're not moving on to the NBA. They're, they're going, they're taking this as their opportunity To get an education, there's going to be a few guys who are going to qualify and look good for the NFL in some late rounds. But that's not what it's about at the end of the day. It's about the education. It's about actual college, like being a student athlete. And really, they do impress upon the student portion upon it. And I met a lot of guys who are just chasing really good dreams when I went to Mac Media Days. It's important to them, the education plus the athletics. And, I mean, I grew up in Toledo. And University of Toledo, Bowling Green State University down yep. the road, Mac schools, uh, up up just across the border. You had the three directional Mr. Michigan's Eastern, Western, and Central. You had NIU. You had a couple of my uh, cousins went to Miami, uh, Miami of Ohio went to and to Ohio University. Like I grew up in Mac Country, and I'm not only totally fine with it, but I completely understand the the idea of it, and it's. I I don't want to get into the what we think about the virus itself because I think we're going to diverge completely. Yeah, on, I'm and sure we like, are. Like, I'm sorry. There's we we pass two thousand deaths a day in this country the other. So I, I, whatever, whatever we want to believe about the virus. But I think if your first priority as a commissioner is you're looking out for the safety of the kids, no matter what, no matter if they're vulnerable or not, I don't give a damn. Some people argue all the time. It's like, well, these aren't really vulnerable people. Okay, cool. But what if they track it back to their families? They don't want to do that. No kid wants to be inadvertently responsible for the death of a grandmother or something. That's ridiculous. So I, I completely sympathize with the decision. I don't think people are cheerleading. I think when you're a journalist that you have to report what you have to report, and I think you have to have a degree of neutrality so you can't really be a cheerleader at the end of the day. But more importantly, just I just want to keep it on the Mac itself. I think it's an opportunity for the Mac. I really do. You put um, you know, we talk about midweek action, but that's kind of been falling off as far as like, A TV product, if you want to go to the business side of things, they only usually get, like, one or two in Nielsen ratings in the middle of the week. They keep getting pushed to ESPN2. There's not going to be an XFL in the spring. Mm -hmm. There's a good chance for it to come in the spring and just uh, be good on TV, and, you know, you have a better assessment of what you can do. And, if again, if your priority is that these are students, they are non-essential personnel at the end of the day because they are students— then there should be no worry about moving them to the spring and the Mac isn't going to be cashing in these big checks this season from power five invitations to these conferences. The schools aren't going to be getting their checks to go play Ohio state or to go play Michigan and you know, whatever it is a million dollars, hundreds of thousands, they're not going to have that. So they don't really need to worry about that. So they have the freedom with their schedule to kind of move it around. I I I think it's fine. I I don't know if it's overreacting, I don't know if it's underreacting. I think you have to take the Mac in a bubble right now. I think what's probably going to be more telling for the Power 5 is what's going to happen here from the meetings with the Big 10 coming up very
4: soon. See, that's what I that yeah. my my whole thing is not necessarily as much about the Mac. Yes, well, you and I disagree on the virus and and I disagree because I don't think what the Mac is doing is necessary. But I understand what you're saying, and I also, yes, they're not going to get the out of conference money. Doing it in the spring gives them a larger audience, although they can't play in any kind of postseason unless they just have like a regular season MAC champion or no, something and, like no, that. There, there's
8: the the amount of bowls that the MAC gets invited to have been decreasing more and more. They always have the De bowl game in Detroit, which is also where they play their their uh, their conference championship. Is in Ford Field in Detroit. Yeah. And, you know, they sometimes get invited to the quick lane bowl, but I mean, the number of bowl games they go to is shrinking more and more. So th- what, and you know, it's not like they're going to get ranked in the top 25 that much if there is even a top 25 college football playoff ranking to begin with. So I don't even know what kind of postseason they would have.
4: Yeah. So I, I agree on some of those points where I have my biggest issue is the rush to immediately say, this is the first domino and the power five's not going to play either. Because a lot of the arguments you just made that explain why the MAC could move and why it would even make sense for them to move the different considerations that they can take, that that can take more precedence in their arguments, those aren't true in the Power Five. No, there's a lot lot of difference here. Yes, there's a ton of money involved. There's a ton of television money. There's top twenty-five. There's recruiting. There's bowl appearances. There's all of these different things. So, my issue was just more. Why are we immediately rushing to try and find Power 5 ADs that are that are going to anonymously say we're not going to have a college football season and all of us are going to put this information out? I There's mean, no specifics. It's just, boom, we've got to throw this out there, and it backs up the exact same thing all of these same people, meaning the media members, have been saying for months. That's why it comes across. You, you may say that they're not cheerleading, but... And I could maybe get that. Hopefully they love college football and they want college football to exist. But the way in which they've been covering what they've omitted and what they have leaned on and the tenor of what they have covered and how they've covered it, to me, indicates or at least feels like they kind of want to be right more than they want college football to play. And at this point, that's what they said first, and now they're just hoping that continues to happen. No,
8: I I disagree with that. I vehemently disagree with that. I think we're projecting here. I, I really do. I think we're projecting here. People, no one in sports is is ever rooting for less sports to be done, and they're not going to do it at the expense of being right. There, I I've seen so many people on there who get these arguments from from that this argument you are laying that they're rooting against sports, and they're begging people to listen to them. Like, no, I'm not cheerleading. Why would I want to do that? My job relies on more sports being played. They're not doing that. But At the same time, I don't think they feel like they need by cheerleading. They they would feel like they're talking down to Their audience and misleading them, and just they got to be a voice of reason. You know, you, yeah, you, you got to
4: be a voice of reason, but it's not reason. It's just I, I think
8: constantly on. No, one it is, I, I, I don't like I. I <laughs> I, I this is this is the problem with this whole facts thing too is that there are so many different ways to look at it. There there are guys out there who have gotten away with a career of taking certain facts and pressing them and saying these are the real facts over here. Look at these. Look at these. Don't look at these other facts over here. There's so many different ways. There are so many facts out there there's true. too many to like look at it. And you know, suddenly the metric changes. And if you want to be bright eyed about what's going on this in in this country with the pandemic all you need to do is just change your change your metric on the fly but at the end of the day too like we're also talking about media as a megalith we I mean you lumped in there you know we talked about Brett McMurphy he's a he's a beat reporter he's an insider he's not the same as someone who say has a talk radio show where they do have to give opinions, or e- they're not the same as someone who has to have a columnist. Everyone has different roles to play in this ecosystem. So I, I find it when we start saying the media, we start lumping a lot of things together. Brett McMurphy is not the same person as Paul Feinbaum. He has a different role, but
4: then but they're the both problem, saying the same thing, Chris. As is okay, Pat Forty, Brett, as his no, no, Dennis Die. All of these, all of the. Nat- I'm talking about these national guys that have all been saying the same thing for months. That have been beating the exact same drum, seemingly with the same agenda.
8: What's Brett but- M- Murphy said, like, well, like I besides mean, what he's reporting, he's reporting what what is being told to him. He can't just just because like he gets a internal source that says I don't think there's going to be football played. He can't just squelch it just because he might believe differently. That's not. That's not in. That's not being journalistic. And, no, not I'm not saying technology.
4: that you lie. I'm not saying that you lie. It just feels like they're telling half the story here. None of these pieces. What if there the, is another half of the story, What well, if there isn't there another is, half Chris, of the story? There is.
8: Well, like, there is. I haven't, We haven't seen it. We just need. Like you know, we would expect more people. That's because
4: they're all saying the same thing. They're all doing the exact same thing. They're all carrying the exact same water. No one is pushing back. But no one is writing the other side.
8: Like, this is just what happened when Brett was reporting on the Zach Smith stuff I'm at Ohio saying, State. Ohio right. State people came out and said, "You have an agenda." No, he's reporting on the. Damn I'm not facts.
4: saying Brett. I'm not saying Brett has an agenda. I'm just mentioning Brett was one of the folks that immediately said, "Power Five source." College football season is done. Yeah, because he had a Power Five source. All of them are saying this. He had a yes. power
8: five source that doesn't erase
4: it just because he didn't like the, what the source said. It doesn't. I'm just saying if it was the flip side, I don't even know if those tweets would be revealed by half of these no, folks. It would
8: be. It absolutely would be.
4: I had, haven't seen it. I mean, you can go down the timelines of a lot of these folks who work in journalism. They would absolutely thing.
8: put it out there. Like, I'm sorry. Like, there's such an attack on journalism that I just can't I can't tolerate it, man. I just can't. Like it's 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 not right. It's just not damn right. Like these well, guys work their ass off, not saying to give they don't people the right information out there and we just because we don't like what they're saying, people then whine and then say that they're like that there's an agenda out there. These guys do not have a damn agenda. I'm sorry.
4: I'm just saying they're cherry picking. In some respects, and i don't know why i'm not trying to assert any necessary agenda i'm Richard saying i don't understand picking. this because of the stuff that's out there that they never say but
8: that's not proof that's just you want you want to believe that there is something out there that they're not
4: saying uh look at numbers that refute some of the things that you were talking about with the virus like i said we're not going to get into that because we don't need but there to are we're numbers on different that sides of that. what i
8: say about the virus too
4: yes but you would say both right as a journalist you would report both not just the things that go to your matters negative matters side of the argument
8: thing and i would trust a actual source like i would trust an expert like a scientist on on how to put those into context
4: well like i said it's a spirited discussion and it's never agreement That is a prerequisite here for anybody listening or anybody on the crew. I think it's a good discussion to have. I like to have people coming at it from different perspectives that are passionate, that are intelligent enough to articulate that. That's what we need more in the country. We don't need to cancel out the opinion that you dislike. I learned some things from Chris, and I think that he said some things that I agree with, especially about the Mac. He defended journalism. I see everybody seemingly saying the exact same thing, and it bothers me because usually when that's true, truth is lost somewhere, nuance. There's got to be something in the middle, and I don't feel like we're getting it in the middle. Maybe I'm too far on one side on this one and there on the other, but we're not anywhere here where we're getting all of it And I feel like half the story ain't good enough right now. We've gotten that all year long. Let's go to Brian Finley, though, before we get to the break and uh, get a look at the latest.
9: Thank you. I actually, can I please weigh in on that nine-minute rant? All right. First of all, there is cherry-picking going on in the media. I'm looking at Dennis Dodd's story, okay? The headline reads, Power 5 ADs, inevitable 2020 college football season will not be played in the fall. I'm reading that headline, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. I click on the article, and there are two anonymous Power 5 ADs. Two. How many ADs in Power 5 schools are there? Over 60. So you are cherry-picking those two. Maybe those those other ones don't want to talk. Or he's not including them because it doesn't fit his narrative. We have no idea. You're assuming. Can you please not interject when I'm talking? Because I certainly didn't when you were talking for nine minutes. But back to my point is, is that you're seeing some guys reach a little bit, drawing conclusions from these stories. Dennis Dodd should have said something like, two power five ADs presume or think, but it was not portrayed that way. We have a problem with the whole clickbait culture in that it seems that we will do whatever it takes to stretch what we're trying to convey. Now, I get it. Media does not want to say that they're rooting against stuff. But when they cherry pick, and cherry picking can happen on both sides, okay? For sure. It, it happens. And it on does. Both. It does. But when you're Dennis Dodd, And you have an agenda. Everybody has an agenda. It doesn't matter what side of the aisle you're on. Everybody has an agenda. But when you're on one side that Dennis Dodd has portrayed this whole time, he is going to find ADs who agree with what he wants, and he will include those in his article. Those guys in the media have a Rolodex. They know all the contacts for all the ADs. And they choose, okay, let me send out these feelers, see who or what they're saying, and if they agree with what I'm saying, then I'm going to post that article. Who knows how many ADs he reached out to, but the two that he included were part of what he's been portraying the last couple months. Now, maybe those were the only two. I have no idea. But again, you just have to understand in the end that everybody has an agenda, and whatever side that is and that's all i got you
4: wait wait, wait. We, we're gonna have to get a break and we'll be able to come back and we'll, we'll do this we'll do the update i want to say one thing about dennis dodd because his name's been mentioned several times i have interviewed dennis dodd on a number of occasions i like dennis dodd i think he's incredibly good at what he does i also look at a headline that reads power five ad's in the headline, doesn't even tell me it's just two. Exactly. It says, Power five ADs, inevitable 2020 college football season will not be played this fall. Then you have to read into the article to find out it's 2% or whatever it is of these athletic directors with no context as to well I also spoke to 12 that think that we are going to play. That to me is not the full story and that's where I have my problem. Now we can go back to the update and then we can get back into this.
9: Alright, so let's get right into it. Luka Doncic grubbing out on the Bucks, getting his 17th triple-double of the season. The Mavericks dog, Milwaukee 136-132. Giannis who fouled out had 34 points. TJ Warren serving up 39 points as the Pacer Frazzo, the Lakers, 116-111. Warren is averaging a league-best 35 points per game in bubble games. The Clippers arresting Kawhi Leonard, keeping Paul George out of the game the last five minutes. L.A. still prevails over the Trailblazers, 122-117. Pat Beverly visibly clowning. Damian Lillard, after he bricked two free throws in the closing moments. Devin Booker, 35 points as the Suns get by the Heat, 119, 112. The Nuggets hold off the uh, mids, uh, see the Nuggets win, sorry, 134, 132 in double overtime. Jamal Murray, in his first game in the bubble, hits key buckets. In the final moments, did you know that right now Geico is offering an extra 15% credit on car and motorcycle and RV policies? That's on top of what Geico could already save you. So what are you waiting for? Visit Geico.com to learn more. And quickly in the NHL, the Golden Knights have the first seed in the West after an overtime goal and a 5-4 win over the Avalanche. The Flyers, the top seed in the East after beating the Lightning 4-1. Jason Martin, back to you.
4: Appreciate it we will come back we will continue the discussion i like this i love it i've wanted this the whole time is smart people with smart takes coming from different directions chris i'd still have a beer with you brian i definitely still have a beer with you and we could all three sit down and we could have this discussion definitely have disagreements on this and it's passionate and eric has just kind of stayed quiet on this. so maybe i'll try to lure him in it but we got to get to break we'll be right back it's the jason martin show here on fox sports radio
0: 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply.
5: What's up? I'm John Wall.
6: And I'm CJ Toledana, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game.
4: It'll be a short segment to finish the second hour of the program, a spirited hour, especially that last segment. So, you know, I I mentioned some people's names and pretty much all of them. I've either interviewed or have a lot of respect for them. We're just on different sides here in terms of, I I look at the way things are being covered and I just say, I need to see a hundred percent here. I need to see all sides being revealed. And so during the break, since Dennis Dye was the name that we've been discussing the most, because his piece is the is the one that, that Finley mentioned, the title was Power 5 ADs, inevitable, in quotes, 2020 college football season will not be played this fall. Let me read a little bit of this piece to you right off the top. First off, there is zero positivity in this thing at all. There is no, a lot of people said, or there's still hope, there's nothing. The word hope I don't even think is even in this piece. It says, a cancellation of the 2020 college football season this fall is unavoidable. After the MAC canceled its season earlier in the day, two prominent Power Five athletic directors told CBS Sports on Saturday. Both reacted to the MAC becoming the first conference to cancel its fall season while also referencing a lack of progress fighting the coronavirus, according to their medical professionals. Quote, It's not fair what we're doing to our coaches and student athletes. The sooner we can come to a finality, the better. I think it's inevitable the season will not be played, said another veteran Power 5 AD. Neither AD wished to be identified due to the sensitivity of the situation. And then it goes further with other things he said, talking about what this AD believes about the Power 5 and in what order they're all going to cancel, and how it's, at this point, morally reprehensible to play, almost, is how it comes across. And that's the tone of the piece, but I'm just going to say this. Two prominent Power Five athletic directors. That's fine. I'm sure that I'm sure that's legit. How many athletic directors did CBS Sports talk to? Did they talk to two that confirmed this and then they stopped? Or are they just saying two of the ones that they talked to are the ones that said this? The way this is written especially when the number isn't even mentioned in the headline, and so many people don't read the articles, they probably wonder, oh, all the Power 5 ADs are saying there's not going to be college football season now? You have to report the facts, yes. And you have to be intellectually honest about what you're doing. But there's no way to read this piece as anything but I don't want college football to be played this fall. That's how I read this. And it's backed up almost everything else that I've read that Dodd has written over the past month. He's the guy who said if they play in the fall, three to seven college football players will die, according to a computer science professor that had done some kind of simulation, which we all should be running from simulations at this point, based on how wrong all of them have been, high and low, since the beginning of this pandemic, because so much is unknown. I'm not trying to be callous here in any respect. I am saying that there is no question to me that there is subjectivity in the way this is being covered, more so than usual. It's almost impossible to be completely unbiased. It really is. And this has become a polarizing topic, and it's become a very political topic, unfortunately. But this is the same thing that's been said for months, and this piece is simply propaganda in the way that it's put together, read it for yourself. We'll be right back. Third hour. Let's get it going. Jason Martin Show here on Fox Sports Radio. I'm in Nashville, Tennessee. The crew is in Los Angeles. You've heard a lot from them tonight. Chris Perfett, Brian Fenley, Eric Roberts. We'll get him into the act here this hour as well. We are in the Fox Sports Radio studios, they are brought to you by Geico. 15 minutes, could save you 15% or more on car insurance, visit geico.com for a free rate quote thankful to be here grateful to have a microphone grateful to have an audience, grateful to have opinions coming in on social media at Radio or opinions coming from my crew out in Los Angeles whether I agree or disagree with them, I felt like that was a compelling hour of radio and it had a little bit of edge, it had a little bit of bite to it, but it was a it was a discussion where there was passion, and a legitimate, genuine passion. And I wondered, and I knew if I brought everybody in, after what I laid out in the first segment, there would be some pushback, there would be some disagreement. That's not why I picked the topic. But I think that that's also something that's missing. When we were talking in the first hour about Damian Lillard and how I felt like it was so, it was a it was a return to normalcy in the best possible way to have that tiff with him and Patrick Beverly because that's what we've been missing. We don't need a lot of this other stuff that's been going on, and we haven't had these games to be played. Now we got games, but now we got a little bit of edge. We got some bite, and there's it's good to have some Patrick Beverly around. It's good to have some Charles Barkley around. It's good to have the crazy guy, as Charles Barkley had always said, and I think. The same is true in sports radio way too many shows have guys that agree too much or the disagreement feels forced here I didn't I didn't get that sense I felt like it was people coming from different places to different conclusions but I certainly lost no respect for anybody and I feel like the audience were the benefactors if not all of us So I appreciate that conversation. I really do. I encourage more of that, not just here, but everywhere. I think that's relevant. I think that's worth hearing. Nobody was silenced right there at all. There were long diatribes from all three of us that were engaged in that conversation. Nobody's interrupting for the most part, except when it was just, okay, I've got to make this point right now. Everybody got a chance to speak. Nobody got shut down. Nobody's mic got cut off. Nobody was canceled. I feel like that was positive. And you can take whatever sides you'd like on it. The big mistake is for me to ever believe that I'm always going to be right. Even though on this one, I feel pretty confident on my side. But it was good radio, and I enjoyed it. I really did. Now, I want to talk about being on brand. There are some things that are just really on brand. There's some things in life that you just you just kind of expect and chalk up to, okay, yeah, got it. Patrick Beverly being an irritant, certainly one of them. Him being the one that's mocking and taunting Damian Lillard in that Clippers Blazers tilt. Yeah, that's on brand. Trump with a ridiculous tweet even for those that like him, you kind of just have to grin and bear the Twitter account, right? It's on brand. And on brand is not necessarily negative, but it's just like that is very, there's nothing more 2020 than the next great calamity to befall us this fall that we don't see coming. Because of just how this year has gone, it would be on brand for 2020 for a solar flare to detach from the sun and take out half the planet. We would kind of just say, all right, yeah, okay, that's on brand. Hopefully we're not on that half, but it's on brand. So when I say that Draymond Green was on brand when talking about Devin Booker's stunted future as long as he stays a member of the phoenix suns when he was on television i'm going to explain it to you but before i explain to you why it's so on brand let's actually hear it here is what draymond green said on tnt on inside the nba when he was a guest analyst on friday night
5: it's great to see book playing well and phoenix playing well but get my man out of phoenix it's not good for him it's not good for his career sorry chuck But uh, they got to get Book out of Phoenix. I need my man to go somewhere where he can play great basketball all the time and win because he's that type of player. Are you tampering? Maybe.
4: (laughs) Uh, The answer is yes. And I'm fine with it. But it's so on brand for Jay Green. Here's what I mean. If there's anybody in the NBA who understands the value of being in the right place, In order to succeed in his career. It's Draymond Green. Draymond Green. The king of the fake tough guys. Who. All the histrionics. And all the way he's able to play. Everything that he's done. Throughout his career. Not the numbers. And yeah he's done a lot of positive stuff. We knew he was good when he was at Michigan State. But did we know he was. Kind of a crazy guy when he was at Michigan State I didn't maybe I wasn't paying close enough attention to Big Ten basketball I just thought he was kind of one of those veteran players on a Tom Izzo team that was destined to get him into the postseason and maybe take him deep but not win a championship but it's real on brand for him to say yeah get him out of Phoenix it's not good for him it's not good for his career because Draymond Green knows the value of of being surrounded by Hall of Famers. Because if Draymond Green had been drafted to Phoenix, we wouldn't even know who Draymond Green was right now. We would have no idea what he was capable of doing. The only thing we might know him for is some antics. And I don't even know if he would have had any antics because he would have been playing in purgatory. There's the added little deal here is You're talking crap about Phoenix with Charles Barkley. That plays into the Draymond Green, Charles Barkley, little fun that they've had going for the last couple of years. But Charles Barkley's made no bones about his feelings about the Phoenix Suns organization and how far off the map they've fallen from his times and when they were very, very good. Even the teams around the turn of the century, those said Sabalos teams, they have fallen on tough times there. They've been awful since Devin Booker's been there. So what Draymond Green is saying is not false. But I laugh hearing him say it because Draymond Green understands, maybe more than anybody, how his career has become what it has become. He could end up in the Hall of Fame, folks. There is almost nowhere else in the league where he could have gone where he would be playing in the Hall of Fame other than Golden State because of what he's already done, surrounded by Steph and Clay, and for a time Kevin Durant, Andre Iguodala, Harrison Barnes. If you remember when Harrison Barnes was there, he had talent everywhere. So he was able to just go out and run his mouth. He was what Draymond Green was is the guy or the kid in high school that's kind of short and scrawny, and I'm not saying that about Draymond, but I'm looking at it from a talent perspective here in comparison. Not really physically imposing, but he did nothing but talk crap. And the reason why is because this feared defensive lineman on the football team was his best friend. So he was able to roll out there and say whatever because he knew they would back it up. That person would back it up. Draymond Green was able to be 100% Draymond Green because he had Hall of Famers surrounding him that were going to bail him out on the floor. Doesn't matter how much garbage he talked if he was playing in Orlando and winning 24 games a season. So when he looks at Devin Booker, who individually is putting up the kind of numbers that are certainly strong, 28 points per game from Devin Booker in the bubble. Hit a game winner against the Clippers last week as well. They're not in the playoffs right now. They probably won't be. And he sees Booker and he's just like, oh man, this guy's wasting his career. Draymond Green's just like, man, if we get him to Golden State, he could be another guy that could make my career better. That could enable me to be more of a jack wagon. Draymond Green has been the straw that stirs the drink from an energy standpoint. And from an edge standpoint, he was probably the beginning of the we don't really like the Warriors all that much feeling mentality that maybe swept across the NBA fan landscape. Like, we all kind of like Steph. My only problem with Steph was the mouthpiece. It's like if he could just keep that thing in his mouth, I would like him a lot better. And yeah, there were political statements coming out here and there, but mainly it was just Draymond Green was annoying. And you just knew that he was able to be annoying on a regular basis because he was going to get bailed out by the guy that was going to win the fights for him later. Whether it was KD, or it was Clay Thompson, or it was Steph Curry, or it was a conglomeration of the three plus Andre Iguodala's veteran leadership. Draymond Green is able to be... All that he can be in the Army, if you want to go there. He he, he can be full-on Draymond Green. 150% Draymond Green, turned all the way up pro-wrestler style, WWE Intercontinental Champion, beating Shinsuke Nakamura for the strap. He can be that guy because he's surrounded by all that talent. So he sees Devin Booker and he's like, that's not a situation I would have wanted to play in. And because he's been so fortunate where he landed at the time that he landed there, this dude might end up in the NBA Hall of Fame when, I mean, seriously, if we went down the amount of teams that he could have gone to where we never would have heard his name, it would have been more than half the league. Half the league, unless we were hearing his name for really bad reasons, which nobody would have hoped to see. But Draymond Green, not surrounded by talent, Not surrounded by people that can shoot. He's not going to be talking very much. That's why I called him a fake tough guy. He was somebody that was... He was enabled, basically, by everybody that surrounded him. So he's watching Devin Booker, who is a scorer in the way that Draymond Green can't be, but he's surrounded by nobody. He sees the opposite of himself. He sees somebody that's probably better one-on-one... Maybe not as multi-talented. I mean, Green is a great rebounder, a great defender. I'm not saying he's a scrub, by the way. The way I'm phrasing this may come across that way, but I'm saying that Draymond Green has been benefited greatly by what has surrounded him. So if it's very on-brand for Draymond Green to look at Devin Booker's situation in which Draymond's an expert on, if, any, if anything he's an expert on, it's being in the perfect situation. And he looks at that and he's just like "Mm, man, that's not ideal. If I was in that situation who knows what I would be. I feel like Draymond Green's confidence whatever confidence there is that borders on arrogance at times, maybe a lot of times it's been buttressed up it's been raised it's been there's been a foundation placed under it by that Warriors front line of which he became a crucial part and a necessary part but if he was in Phoenix he'd be DeAndre Ayton without the height or the explosiveness and because he can't shoot three like Devin Booker He needs to help even worse than a Devin Booker does. But what we were saying in the first hour is, what does the NBA have? It has a conglomeration of really good talent across the league, but still 90% of the people watching the league think there's like four guys that have a, a chance at really swinging a team to win an NBA title. LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard, Kevin Durant when he's healthy, and I would say Steph Curry. And outside of that, you've seen guys that have failed to do it. The Damian Lillards, the James Hardens, those guys. Devin Booker just falls right into that mix of another really good young player, young scorer, who's never going to be able to get it done on his own. And as long as he's playing in a, in a place like Phoenix, that situation is not going to work out for him. Draymond Green had everything around him, and he's looking at Devin Booker, and he's saying, I see exactly the opposite of the luck and fortunate nature of my career happening to Devin Booker. And I see another guy that can shoot, another guy with a little bit of edge to him as well, that would be pretty good in Golden State. And I also see an opportunity on television to say something that's going to get me into a segment on Fox Sports Radio for two or three days on all the shows. I'm fine with this. Again, this right here, just like the TIFF between the Clippers and the Blazers, this is all positive to me because this is sports-focused and it's guys showing some personality and taking a couple steps out. If there was ever a time to kind of jump a little bit outside the norm, even though it's very on-brand for j Green, it is in 2020. This is when you should be experimenting, but this is very much the time when if you're adam silver you see what happened with the clippers and the blazers and you just hope that that expands across the league you don't want it to become violent but that ain't going to become violent that's just going to be fun and maybe they're going to go at it and maybe there's even going to be you know a shove or two if those two teams match up in the postseason heck yes more of that but Draymond green looking at Devin Booker's situation and saying, that guy needs to get out of Phoenix because he's killing his career as long as he's there because that's a terrible organization. Yeah, Draymond Green would know. He would know more than anybody in the NBA the importance of being on the right roster at the right time. We'll be right back. So Jason Martin Show here on Fox Sports Radio.
1: Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long.
0: 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. What's up? I'm John Wall. And
6: I'm CJ Toledana, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game.
4: Welcome back. Fox Sports Radio Studios, they are brought to you by Geico. I'm Jason Martin. Glad to be with you. Blessed to have the opportunity. Thankful. On Twitter, at Radio. Studios are brought to you by Geico. All right, Eric, I haven't talked to you pretty much at all on the show. You've been able to just kind of sit back and listen. So I'll, I'll give you the NBA here. We definitely need some more edge. The Draymond... Situation. I just look at that and I think to myself, man, this dude understands ideal situations better than anybody in the league. What he's saying about Devin Booker ain't wrong. Draymond is the perfect guy to say it.
5: Yeah. And it's, he's, that's him as a person in general. I feel like, you know, I mean, I get why they have these guys on, you know, with the NBA on TNT guys, you know, and he's a character. Yes. But it's one of those things like, Dude, you know they're winning. Leave them alone. Why you got to go out there and say this stuff in the middle? You're not in the playoffs. Deal with it. Like it's just I don't know him, and you know you know what he's trying to do. It's like, but at the same time, it's how do you think the Suns feel when somebody's like mouthing off like that against your 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 star, the face of your franchise
4: kind of thing? It's just, uh, I don't know. It's bad form. It's Dr- It's just Draymond yeah, Green it's, it's unable yeah, it's, not it's, to. But, but like
5: you said, it's totally on brand for him as <laughs> yes, it who he is. is. And then he'll play the victim card and oh, whoa, whoa, blah blah blah. It's like, dude, shut up, man. It's so like, it's back with, like when you were saying, he's like, oh, I'm not kicking people. Well, do we have you on video kicking people? Yeah, man. So
4: like, I'm a Thunder fan. I saw what you did. You were the reason Kevin Durant left, basically, because they didn't end up suspending you the way that they should have during the Western Conference Finals as opposed to the NBA Finals. But I digress. That's a long time ago. This was, inter- this was interesting to me. Also on brand, Derek Carr. Derek Carr said he's tired of being disrespected. We've heard this before. We know he's a little thin-skinned. We know he blocks a lot of people on Twitter. He blocks people on Twitter that have never actually mentioned anything about him. And now there's the burner account stuff that's out there as well. But it was more Lincoln Kennedy, our colleague here at Fox Sports Radio, and the radio, uh, no, Raiders Radio Network analyst as well, reacting to Carr saying he doesn't want to be disrespected anymore. His response was pointed. He said, I would say to him if he was here in my face and he said that, I would tell him right now, if you're tired of being disrespected, play better. It's that simple. The thing is, there's no more excuses for Derek. Now it's either put up or shut up. He's got all the weapons in front of him. He's got an offensive line. He's got a run game. He's got a receiving core. Now it's time to put up or shut up. And then he actually mentioned he's had it in his mind that the talent wasn't there for him, meaning in reference to the past when in actuality it was. We talked about cherry-picking facts and cherry-picking numbers and stats and things like that in the second hour of the show. Stats can be dangerous because they can you can lose nuance, you can miss a story, and yet yeah, you can the numbers can tell you whatever you want them to. At least a certain bent so I went to pro football reference and I looked at Derek Carr's stats Lincoln Kennedy also mentioned he hasn't been the same guy since the ankle injury in 2016 that fateful Christmas Eve that took out both him and Marcus Mariota of the Titans and neither one of them has had a particularly good career since and now both of them find themselves on the same roster in 2016 Derek Carr went 12-3 and He looked like he was going to be something that year. The Raiders were, wow. Just kind of out of the blue, that was the team to pay attention to in Oakland. Then he has the injury. Since that point in time, in 2017, he threw for 3,496 yards. In 2018, he threw for 4,049 yards. In 2019, he threw for 4,054 yards. In those three seasons, his completion percentage was, and I'll round up to make it easier here, 63, 69, and 70. That's his completion percentage. His passer ratings in those three seasons, 86.4, 93.9, 100.8. That all sounds pretty good, right? I mean, completion percentages above 60. And twice above 68 in the last three seasons. This is what I mean about how the facts, you have to be careful not to just look at a few categories, you got to look at everything. Here's the problem for Derek Carr, who doesn't want to be disrespected. Since the 12 and 3 season, Do you know what the Oakland, now Las Vegas Raiders cumulative record has been? 17 and 30. And unlike Marcus Mariota when he was here in Nashville, who was missing games, Derek Carr, I think, has only missed one start in the last three seasons. Last two, he hadn't missed any starts, and I think he missed one game. It was 15 games and 15 starts in 17, 16, and 16 in both 18 and 19. If you are the starting quarterback in all but one game over a three season span, your three most recent seasons, and the record that you have behind that is 17 and 30, whether or not it's earned, you're going to take the brunt of that blame. You just are. Quarterback's the most important position in all of American team sports, NFL quarterback, you're going to take the lion's share of the blame. And you're probably going to get an inordinate amount of the credit in most cases as well. It's the LeBron James effect. If you play with LeBron James and you're Kyle Korver, and you go out there as as Kyle Korver, and you score 18 points in a playoff game, the stories are all about how LeBron got you the ball when you needed it, got you involved early, and then you were able to pay off his success but it's still the story is still mainly going to be about LeBron and if you go out like Danny Green did a week ago for the Lakers and go 0 for 9 from 3 then it's your fault the Lakers lost and you let LeBron down as an NFL quarterback you're going to take a lot of credit and you're going to get a ton of blame Derek Carr's yardage totals, his last two years, over 4,000 yards. His touchdown to interception ratio, eh, is 22 and 13 in 2017. Then it was 19 and 10 in 2018. And then it got a little better. It was a plus four. He went from 19 touchdowns and 10 picks in 18 to 21 touchdowns and eight picks in 19. So he got a little bit better. I think there are teams in the league that would like to have the stats that he put up. 361 to 513 passing last season with a 70% completion percentage and 4,000 yards and a team with 7 and 9. And the main reason they were 7 and 9 is because Josh Jacobs got hurt. But Derek Carr needs to understand that he accomplishes absolutely nothing good by pointing to supposed disrespect that he's feeling. All that reveals is he's thin-skinned. And all it does is put a magnifying glass on anything that he's about to do, positive or negative. You always want to under-promise and over-deliver, or under-emphasize and then over-deliver. If you're good at something, you don't have to tell people about it. They're going to notice and they're going to talk. If Derek Carr goes out there next year and throws for 4,000 yards again with a 70% completion percentage, and the Raiders are 11-5, and Derek Carr's probably going to be talked about in a more respectful manner. Now, I think some of this goes back to a feeling that seems legit from day one when Mayock and Gruden got there, that he wasn't really who they wanted. And then there was a the whole deal with AB. But if you remember Hard Knocks last year, Derek Carr, he kind of, it just kind of came across in a way where John Gruden was looking for something else. And those were the reports even early on. It just didn't seem like it was a marriage that was meant. And I'm sure that I probably harmed Derek Carr's confidence. But Derek Carr seems not to understand that the best way for him to succeed and turn heads is not to tell people, hey, look at me. It's to just go out and ball out. We're going to notice. Sports is a meritocracy, the ultimate meritocracy. If he goes out and throws for great yardage and his stats are good and he gets his touchdowns, let's say he gets to 25 touchdowns. I mean, his touchdown percentage in the last three years, 22, 19, and 21, we're going to need more from a star quarterback in this league than that in most cases. But if he goes out there and he throws, let's say he gets to 25. He throws 25 and the interceptions stay at nine. All right. He had eight last year. We'll give him one more. We'll say he goes 25 touchdowns, nine interceptions, get a 70% completion percentage. Let's say that drops back to 67, okay? And he throws for 4,200 yards. Where's the disrespect going to come from? Which expert, which fantasy football guy, which radio host. Who is going to disrespect Derek Carr? Nobody. But now that he has come out and said what he has said, if he goes out there, the Raiders have an 8-8 record, for example, and he still stays around 21 touchdowns, and he throws 10 interceptions, right? And he has 3,700 yards or something. That mediocrity is going to be magnified a thousand percent whereas otherwise it would have been he had a decent season now it's going to be the opposite because he has put the onus on himself he's put the pressure on himself if you're great at something a good lesson for you if you're great at something let other people notice it they will tell you you can reap those rewards By living a quiet life and just going about your business. If Derek Carr believes in himself, he doesn't need to tell us how great he is. He just needs to go out there and play football the way he knows Derek Carr can play football. And then we're all going to see it. Nobody's out to get him. He's not a victim here. I think this is a sign of the old, "methinks thou doth protest too much. And what Lincoln Kennedy is saying to him is, he's not telling him, that it's not okay for him to talk, but he's saying it's time to put up or shut up. And really, he didn't ever need to speak here. All he needs to do is put up numbers. If he goes out and puts up numbers and puts up W's, everybody else will do the talking for him and he never even has to open his mouth let's bring in brian finley let's find out one more time what's going on in the world of sports b have you retreated back to your corner
9: yeah so i took a deep cleanse in the ice bath and i'm feeling pretty good 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 my temperature might have been up a little bit higher than usual the last hour but you know it was all good and i thought we've gotten some nice responses from social media it makes for some good radio to have some differences in opinions absolutely yeah Dustin Johnson atop a traffic jam of a leaderboard at the PGA Championship. He leads by one shot, nine under overall with one round left. Johnson carded a 65 on Saturday despite a double bogey on the ninth hole. Brooks Kepka, who's looking to three-peat this major, standing two strokes behind. Luka Doncic does as he pleases on the court. He surfaced with 36 points, 14 rebounds, a career-high 19 assists, and an NBA-leading 17th triple-double as Dallas casts aside Milwaukee 136-132 in overtime. The Pacers burn the Lakers 116-111 in a win. T.J. Warren manufactures 39 points. He's scored at least 30 in four of the Suns' five games in the Orlando bubble. The Trailblazers faceplant to the Clippers. L.A. minus Kawhi Leonard stunting Portland 122-117. Patrick Beverly jeering Damian Lillard as he bricked two free throws in the closing moments, which could have given Portland the lead. Beverly and Lillard, along with Paul George, then embarking in a heated back and forth on social media after the game. Devin Booker, 35 points as the Suns rock the Heat, 119-112. The Nuggets win in double overtime against the Jazz, 134-132. And a Jamal Murray sighting his first game in the bubble as he scores clutch buckets. In hockey, the Vegas Golden the Knights take the one seed in the West after duping the Avalanche 5-4 in overtime. And the Flyers grab the top seed in the East with a win over the Lightning. Back to Jason Martin. Welcome back to the Fox Sports Radio Studios brought to you
4: by GEICO. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with GEICO. Go to GEICO.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. Finish in that thought on Derek Carr. Under promise, over deliver keep your mouth shut and ball out everybody else to do the talking for you. And you're going to do the talking for yourself on the field rule of thumb, something that I have, I'm sure I've talked about it on this show before, but something that I've thought about a lot over the last few years, which is your goal in most situations you're going to encounter. I think is to put yourself in a position where you have the largest margin for error. Where you can make some mistakes and they're not going to just end you. Where you can survive. And what Derek Carr has done is the opposite. The way to create margin for error if you're Derek Carr is let everybody else talk about Patrick Mahomes. Let everybody else fawn over Lamar Jackson. Let them talk about all these other guys. Stay down, work hard, perform, win, and let the rest speak for itself. It is not to run out and say, please don't disrespect me because I promise you it's going to be much easier for people to disrespect you if you go out there and even have average numbers. If you go out there and you have above average numbers, I think this right here isn't going to help people make that point for you. Now, you've put a target on your back. Now, if you fail, they're going to bring up what you've said. If you succeed, nobody's going to care. So you have created zero margin for error you have placed pressure on yourself that otherwise would not be there. All the attention is focused elsewhere, Derek. Yeah, you've got a a brand new building that no one's going to be in. Mark Davis made that clear this week. You've got a better team. Lincoln Kennedy said offensive line's better. They also made some strides on the D line. They did go grab Henry Ruggs for you, who could be a Tyree Kill kind of player. Josh Jacobs is a stud. Your team is pretty good. You're in a division where we don't know what the Chargers are going to be. We know what kind of talent they have, but we don't know what they've got at quarterback. We know Tyrod Taylor is all right. And Justin Herbert is going to take a little time, probably. My Denver Broncos. We've only seen a small sampling of Drew Locke. We don't know exactly how that's going to play out. And we know what Kansas City is. But if you're Derek Carr the best thing you can do is just not be noticed right now. Because it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whether or not Jason Martin is talking about how great you are on August the 9th, 2020, before the season starts. Ultimately, the only thing that's going to matter is how many wins the Raiders have at the end of the year and how much you've contributed to said wins. Or on the flip side, how many losses they can hang on you. Just think about that for your life, whoever you are, in whatever circumstance you find yourself. The best thing you can do is create enough space where you can make a couple of minor errors and still recover completely from those. You can survive them. You can even not just overcome them, but thrive in spite of them their Carr has just put a big magnifying glass not on his team but on himself and it's and all it does is reveal self-consciousness and all it does is to me make it more likely that that pressure will crush him his pride got the better of him here lincoln kennedy's right put up or shut up but really if he had not talked all we would have had to do is go out there and be Derek Carr. Then we can evaluate him honestly. Nobody's out to get Derek Carr. There's no victim here in Derek Carr. Hopefully, he realizes that. I'm not rooting against him. I just think he's made it harder for himself. We'll be right back to finish up the program. So, Jason Martin show here on Fox Sports Radio. Finishing up this morning. We've had some fun, and we've had some discussion. It's so Jason Martin Show here on Fox Sports Radio. I'm Jason Martin in Nashville, Tennessee. You can find me on Twitter at Radio. The crew that's done a great job tonight is Eric Roberts, Chris Perfett, Brian Finley. I appreciate them very much for making me better than I am in so many different ways. We talked a lot about Zion Williamson last week. And this week has really changed nothing about that other than it's just solidified my opinion even further that dudes should just be sent home. The fence sitting is mind numbing because he can get hurt in the 15 minutes or the 20 minutes you have him on the floor in the second quarter just as easily as he could in the seven minutes at the end of the game that you won't let him play. And when they're out there getting trucked by the Clippers by 40 and when he's out there scoring 20 plus for you and you're losing to the Kings by 15 and there appears to be no real emphasis placed on you guys playing into the postseason at all even though the bubble was or the playoff scenario we have all said felt very intentionally put there to try and get the Pelicans in so that Zion could be on TV during the playoffs. But the Pelicans are clearly doing this for the future. Which, it's fine. If Zion's not healthy right now, he shouldn't be out there. It's a weird season. There's all sorts of weird stuff going on. But they just need to go ahead and pull the plug on this thing for this year. If they're not trying for the playoffs if they're if they don't think they have a shot this year shut him down put him home let him shoot 10,000 free throws a day so he can get that percentage above 60 have him work on his mid-range I understand he needs to be out there with NBA minutes so that he understands the NBA game but he looks like he's doing just fine with that But him being in the bubble and him being out there right now, the worst thing possible is you guys going half speed, not even really trying to make it into the playoffs and being careful with him, and he still ends up rupturing an Achilles or something while he's out there. Then what do you have? You either let him play and take the training wheels off or you put the bike in the garage for now. And you live to fight another day. And I don't think there's any Pelicans fans going to be disappointed if Zion is shut down right now for the rest of the year something ain't right here skeptics it just opens up a easy way to go conspiracy theory and say well, what else is wrong with zion williamson just how banged up really is he and then it leads me to think about greg odin and other comparisons we want zion williamson out here for the next 15 years playing basketball believe me folks we all do it's going to be much better he's going to be so much fun to watch we think Yeah, it could get derailed. We hope that it won't. But it seems like right now, the Pelicans have resigned themselves to, we're going to worry about the future. So if you're going to worry about the future, then worry about your future in this league being relevant, being marketable, all of those things. Shut him down. Period. If you're not playing him at the end of games that you have a chance to win then he shouldn't be in there at all. You want to be careful on ramping him back up and minutes restrictions and all this? Restrict him to zero minutes so that you have a chance for him to be fully healthy next season. Because you're not beating the Lakers this year. You're not beating the Clippers this year. You're not beating Milwaukee. You're not beating these teams, even if you were to get to the finals. Not this year. Shut Zion down. Make sure that he keeps his weight off. Work with him. Let him get a little better, a little bit more seasoned, I guess, during one more offseason, and then bring him back ready to go. And then let's see what the Pels are in 2021 or 2020 into 2021. Because you ain't accomplishing nothing with this. Appreciate the show. Appreciate all you guys. See you next week.
1: Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury.
2: Let's go places.